Welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we work to recover the dignity and mission of vocation. Learn more at metronmanager.com. All right, welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Nowlin. We've been following Matt Brown and his family for about the last year as they stood up a water provision business in Uganda, and it's been quite an exciting journey for them. They've been back in the United States now for about three or four months. Now they've moved back to Uganda. They're starting up again. They brought back a new baby with them, so this is a new season, and it's exciting to have Matt Brown back with us on the program. So Matt, welcome. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. We're excited to be back and hope to be back on the program. This is great. So we have a lot of people who have been following your story and are quite interested in the development. So give us a little bit of an update. I mean, this has been a big gap for you guys that we haven't heard from you and a lot's happened. You've been back in the U.S. Obviously, there's the baby that's come along and now you're, now you're fully transitioned back. But there had to have been a lot in the middle of that that was pretty different, that was uh, challenging probably, to be back in the U.S. doing normal USA stuff as a family and then shift gears and move right back to Africa. So give us an update on where things are at. Yeah, for sure. So we yeah, headed back to the States to have our, our daughter, Mary, about last uh, end of the summer. And uh, we had her mid-October. We actually didn't know we were having a girl. We decided to wait. On number three, and so that was really fun. Obviously, transitions are hard in general, especially with kids, you know, and yeah. uh, it's stressful, of course, in general. But we were so uh, well taken care of. There was a family that gave us a place to stay and just really set us up, and uh, just we had a lot of love from family and friends. It was really great to reconnect, you know, with our church community and. So it was really refreshing for us, actually, going back. We had just come out of a COVID lockdown here in Uganda. That okay. Was stretching on and on. No one could drive. And you, could, you know, it's really isolated. Couldn't see people. It was kind of brutal. And then just different health stuff. So it was, it was a really refreshing time to get back. And also, we had gotten some things kind of set up and uh, balls rolling right before we went back to the States. Um, so that was really great. Um, so yeah, but anyway, it was a really great transition going back and uh, I feel like we're really rejuvenated as we come back with our daughter. Uh, you know, so we're ready for uh, round two. And where are you guys living now? Where did you end up uh, landing in as far as a city or location? How's your life looking right now? Yeah. So we, we, uh, ended up settling in the capital. Okay. <laughs> there was a lot of prayer behind that. And uh, we just were like, you know what, God? we're starting to see that you're, you're trying to get us to stay in the capital at this point and, uh, Kampala. And, uh, we don't really feel drawn or even need it to, in Karuma for what we're actually doing, the stage we're at. And one of the reasons why is we have a director that we hired yeah. uh, right before we left. It had kind of been a, a work in progress. And so while I was gone, uh, back in the States having our daughter, 
he was full time uh, here, just knocking it out of the park, doing, I mean, way more than I could have done in BC, just because he's Ugandan. Wow. Really familiar with terrain, culture, with, you know, um, just dealing with lots of just nitty gritty stuff that I'm just not really familiar with. So seeing that, I mean, he was taking trips to Karuma, but living in the capital himself, I was like, huh, well, I guess, I mean, we kind of built community here. We've made a lot of really, uh, we feel like are spiritually important, relationally important friendships with families. Right. And we just prayed about it and we're like, you know what? It sounds like God is telling us to stay here as far as our home base. And uh, it's not really much day to day that we would need to do in Karuma at this stage. So all that to say, we're now located in the capital <laughs> for the Interesting. time being. Okay, we so have a little house we just rented out, and uh, yeah, yeah, we're here. So, from like an operational standpoint for your work and your company that you're standing up, uh, it seems then uh, that you are better situated being in the capital than out at where your work location is, where your company is starting up. So, yeah. and you have a manager yeah. and an oper- an operation director type yep. uh, gentleman who's handling things for you. How has that been as far as being a remote manager, so to speak, like when you're in the U.S.? I think people in, in the same vein of startups and kingdom enterprises, things that like you're doing, they often wonder, how am I going to do this if I have to leave for a little bit, a bit, how, you know, maybe I, my family's having a uh-huh. baby, maybe there's a health issue. We have to go back yep. and I've got some people on the ground or maybe just one person. I mean, how does that, how does that feel for you when you're gone? But also how do you kind of do quality assurance? How do you maintain momentum with that at such a distance? You know, what's the secret there? Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I don't know if there's a great secret that I have an answer to, but I do know God led us to Joshua, our director, um, and I feel confident that God picked him out um, because he is just of the visionary sort of mind that like, he can handle those upper-level tasks of envisioning what needs to happen. How do you know? And that's kind of actually how I interviewed him. I was like, look, this is going to be a big role. You're going to sort of be taking my place along here. You need to figure out how do we get from where we are here to where we need to be way over here. There's a lot of steps. We, we don't, I don't know all the steps right now, but you need to figure those steps out and I'll help you. But you're going to have to come up with your own questions and answer your own questions while I'm gone. Right. And he was like, yeah, yeah. You know, and I was like, okay, well, I hope we can actually do that. <laughs> when I leave and, uh, and he has, you know, and it's just, you know, he's taken on, uh, so much authority and with me stepping away right away, I mean, he was hired and I was gone, like, and it was just remote for the first few months. And so that might've even helped because then he wasn't relying on me. Huh, interesting. Like, I mean, I gave him big level stuff. Like these are our you know, major things to do. Here's a few lower level things we can, you can focus on too kind of help you get started but like here's our big task and he figured out what needs to be done to execute those things and uh so i think he just really started out independent and that's really helped keep that momentum going even now that i've come back so it, yeah it's been it's been amazing i mean dream come true that's what we were hoping for 
That's a real confirmation, you know, as you guys have leaned into this and seems like God is going before you on the project and really making a way. And it sounds like also that getting the right people with the right skill set and the right character and the right motivation is crucial for something like this to happen. Because obviously, Mm -hmm. like you're saying, as a foreigner, you can't really advance a lot of these things without the right people in place. So would you say that would be like a primary for somebody wanting to do something like this is find the right people. Mm-hmm. Yep. I would say that. And it's, it's amazing. I, I thought that, I mean, I'm not a business professional at all. You know, I haven't started <laughs> business before. I don't know, you know, all the, uh, the routes to take to make a successful business, but I was kind of starting to see early on, like, Hey, if we're going to get this thing going. We need people that are really great, uh, you know, to work with us and, and it turned out that, yeah, that's absolutely true. Like <laughs> with Joshua, like things have worked so much smoother, so much faster. And my burden, I mean, just the weight of all the responsibilities and all the different tasks I was having to wear right. have been lifted from my shoulders and I feel so much lighter, you know, um, and things are just getting done. So yeah, definitely right people is crucial to success. If I can add to that, yeah. one more thing is, as far as right people, I would push even more. And I think I harped on this a lot last year, but relationships, you know, like the way I met Joshua was through relationships with other people here, you know, right. Um, good relationships and kind of get, hanging out with people, spending time with people and getting to know, okay, who are people that, you know, are godly people who are people I can trust and really pouring into that. And that through that, God led me to Joshua. And so I, yeah, really say, man, that's the way to find the right people. Cause especially in a third world country where you don't have great online resources, <laughs> right. I mean, people are not online putting their resumes up here, uh, nearly to the degree they are in the States. And if they are generally it doesn't always mean they're the right fit <laughs> just cause they're online. Yeah. Um, absolutely. So, yeah. So you, can't, you can't really, uh, use your, traditional Western hiring mechanisms and practices to find a candidate Man. in those places. Yeah. Which is so frustrating because it's so <laughs> efficient. You know, you're like, man, I can just pop online, just get a bunch of resumes submitted. I don't do anything. And here it's like just a fog. You're like, well, how do I find them? You know, it's like, right. where are they? Where's that person? Right. Yeah. And, and you do have to go through those relationships, those kind of traditional channels and uh, wow, what a different environment. You know, how is th- how are things looking for the water company? Like, how where are things at practically? What's next for you guys with that? Yeah. Yeah, we uh, I've got a couple balls rolling right now, bigger ones. One, we've been <laughs> working on getting uh, officially registered as an NGO, a non-governmental organization, which is just really helpful for tax purposes. Okay. Can, um, be tax exempt here. Um, and, uh, we've been working on that since last summer. It's just incredibly slowed down for a lot of different reasons. So that's just kind of been, we're still grinding that out. And it's a complex, lengthy process anyways. Right. With a lot of layers of government and official districts involved and stuff. So that's kind of been something that's just been rolling in the background, trying to get that done. But then I finally got greenlighted by our lawyer here to go ahead and drill on our property. Okay. Um, we were able to work out 
um, figure out how I can. Anyway, I won't go into all details. Basically, we can go ahead and drill. I got the green light legally without any issues. And so we are working on that, um, getting set up. We've gotten a bunch of uh, companies interviewed and quoted, and we are scheduled next weekend to drill, actually, the borehole. Okay. So we'll be getting water in just a little over a week out of the ground on our site, finally. That's great. <laughs> and, uh, you know, even once we have water coming up, uh, it'll still be a, a little while probably before we get all our systems in place. Um, to where we can start actually distributing the water. But um, it's an exciting first step, you know, and uh, it's just, I feel like once we get that four-hole drill, we'll have a lot of momentum. Um, but, yeah, we, had, we hired a couple more staff, or Joshua did, um, okay. security staff for our compound up north. Um, so they're ready to go, watching over the site 24-7. Uh, it was just, you know, fast <laughs> Uh, one of our guards, uh, they, they carry bow and arrow, oh, wow. and uh, that's their protection <laughs> weapon yeah. in the countryside unless you're uh, wealthier. And then they have AK-47s, but <laughs> if you're not as wealthy as a you know, landowner or whatever, they just have a bow and arrow. Um, so one of our security guards uh, told Joshua, and Joshua didn't relate that to me. Uh, he was like, yeah, he was hanging out one night and, uh, you know, doing night duty. And, uh, I mean, all we have is a bunch of we just have walls around the compound and a gate and that's okay. it right now because we haven't developed the interior yet. You know, we have to have security first before we put anything inside. Right. And he said a bunch of guys came up in the middle of the night to try and steal our gate. Wow. So literally they're going to break it off the metal hinge, big metal gate and run off with it to sell it. Wow. <laughs> and he, you know, he, he weren't, he pointed his bow at them or whatever and they ran away. But we're just like, man, you know, <laughs> place to try and do work. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, so we, we've got two security guards uh, alternating shifts right now and they're uh, they're on duty watching stuff. So we feel like all right, we can we can go ahead and drill. Because that was another issue. We didn't want to do anything that once you drill you put equipment on side and that equipment's worth a lot. It'd be gone the next day if we didn't have anyone watching over it. Right. So anyway, yeah, we're we're making some progress and yeah, things are moving smoothly. So the business model, is it still seem to be uh, well-received uh, as you originally conceived it, or have you made some adjustments to your even your your model or your plan, or are you just sticking to what you had and what you'd figured out prior? Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. So at this point, actually, we're, uh, we're considering a sort of alternate option in addition to the original. Okay. Um, so we have been, you know, um, planning for this delivery model with motorcycles and we're still right. going to provide that. But seeing that we, there's a newer technology that's just come out the last couple of years. And whenever you see your technology in the context of a jungle or a bush environment, that doesn't sound too great, but it's, it's <laughs> like these water kiosks. Okay. And it's basically someone can walk up in the bush and they're already using them all over East Africa. Someone can come up to a little stand that's like off grid. There's no power. There's, well, there is, but it's you know it's complicated. There's no internet, and they can get water dispensed out of this unit just in a village um, for dirt cheap if if you use this system. Okay. Uh, 
we provide the water. We pipe it into these little taps, basically. It's like a bunch of taps you put at central points around town. Um, so you're reducing everyone's distance to walk from their house. And you're reducing the time to spend in queuing and waiting in line. That's one of the big problems, too. So in general, we should be able to get it within about 100 yards of everyone's house, one of these paths. And uh, we can charge even less than we originally were going to for delivery, um, which right. is even better for people. So since we can even reduce the cost even further, because we're not paying for gas, we're not paying for you know labor for drivers and all these things, there's a lot of barriers to the other model being really successful. This right. one has super low overhead. Um, we're going to right off the bat install a couple of these and then just kind of test them out, see how they go. But they're, yeah, based on what we've seen from studies in the uh, last couple of years, it looks like they're going to be really well received and, uh, again, make it even cheaper for people to get water um, very close to their house. So we're, we're going to still try and do the delivery model also, but we kind of just foresee shop owners catering uh, catering more to shop owners in town and there's okay. probably around 500 shops and people who have businesses and stuff in the town that would want to deliver water they wouldn't want to even go 50 feet to leave right. their shop to get water so they would probably love the delivery so right. you know we still have a good market um, if anyone else is you know a little bit wealthier I mean, still like a penny, right? Um, but yeah. comparatively speaking, I, yeah. So anyway, all that to say, we, we have kind of shifted our focus because we think this other method could bring the cost down even further for residents. So we're going to we're gonna really focus on these water taps and uh, see how they turn out. Um, yeah. That's amazing. So you guys are adapting to available technologies and also figuring out application and solutions to keep costs on a downward trend versus an upward trend for people. Um, and you're serving, it sounds like you're yeah, figuring out yeah, a way to yeah. really serve the local economic ecosystem with the companies, with water delivery, and then making things really accessible for the local population. Uh, that's, that's brilliant yeah. way to go with being flexible and adaptive in your environment. Yeah, we well, you know, and this idea I've been I've thought for years since we started, you know, trying to figure out how we could distribute water really cheaply. I thought this would be a great idea, but the technology just wasn't out there. Right. And uh, every couple of years, I would just kind of delve back into what was out there, and finally, it just popped up that it has been deployed, and I was like, "All right, well, looks like it's ready. Let's, you know, give it a shot." Oh, that's brilliant. What a what great timing! You know, with all the stuff going on globally, and you know, all the tensions and the war in Ukraine, and uh, you know, economic stuff happening all around the country uh, in Europe, various countries in Europe, and then obviously globally, are you guys seeing any impact yeah. from the economic shakeup that's happening in uh, different parts of the world? Yeah, from a from a ground level, you know, I'm not really seeing any impact whatsoever it's funny because i i do check the global news <laughs> a yeah. little bit you know i keep up uh you know just some I, i'm not a news junkie or anything but you know um and i've thought many times like huh just like we're in this little bubble <laughs> in east africa <laughs> and like you know i mean all of europe could probably go to war in, 
And maybe it would affect us a little more. <laughs> yeah, probably yeah. would. But it's just, yeah, I don't know. Uh, there's just nothing on the ground that we have. The only, literally the only impact that we've seen is we have some Ukrainian uh, people we know at our church who, you know, that impacted their family lives, yeah. obviously. And uh, that's, but that's, that's it. Even gas prices haven't changed a bit. <laughs> that's amazing. Because, boy, that's not the story here in the U.S. Yeah, they're already pretty high. <laughs> with, I think that was what brought, yeah, right. brought that yeah, situation uh-huh. to mind for me was, you know, you got skyrocketing fuel costs and food costs globally because yeah. of what's happening. And, you know, within a situation like yeah. Uganda and your model, there's not much margin. I mean, if you double the price of you know, what, anything in your model, I mean, that could price people out of the water yeah. market. So I was wondering if there's like potentials oh, yeah. that you're yeah. concerned about with this. Yeah. Thank goodness. Our, uh, yeah, we're not real. Since we haven't started vehicle deliveries yet, you know, that right. hasn't affected us. But at the same time, our, our fuel prices have been high actually for a long time okay. to begin with. So it's kind of, uh, you know, yeah, I guess we started out high and hasn't really gotten much higher um but uh but yeah so far it hasn't really changed things too much everything's still on track wow that's really good to hear and how's the general um expat community there and there's a lot of foreigners that live and work in uh, uganda are, are you guys seeing yeah. many many folks leaving or is it pretty stable same as always or how's the feel of your yeah. environment um right well, I feel like when we were there, when we were here last year, um, a lot of folks left uh, for a couple of different reasons. Uh, one, summertime, a lot of people leave in the summer because their kids are on break and they'll go back to the state. Uh, also, COVID, okay. it was ramping up here quite a bit and hospital system's not too great. So some people went back to that. And then also lockdown, right. <laughs> you know, these massive government lockdowns. Uh, people are like, nah, I'm not going to sit around in my house for two months. So they just left. Um, so actually, now that we've come back, it's been really refreshing and surprising to see so many more faces. Um, so I feel like a lot of people have come back here. And uh, yeah, just in the last few weeks, um, yeah, we've met a lot of new families and new people. And, um, yeah, people seem to be kind of crowding back in some things that lifted up. Uganda just lifted their final uh, lockdown parameters, which okay. was a curfew they had in place um, up until literally about six weeks ago, right okay. before we came back. So, okay, uh, so you're kind yeah, of back to normal. For two years. Wow. Wow. So, yeah. yeah. So it's kind so, of gone back to normal with how things uh, related to COVID and all of that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, everything's pretty much back to how it was pre-COVID here. Going into this next season for you guys, you know, what are some immediate aims? You know, what are some things that people can even be praying for if they think of you guys? Uh, what are a few spots that are coming up that are important? Yeah, um, so I think drilling. Okay. Actually, getting a rig out there and going down to water, that's going to be pretty crucial. So, yeah. You know, anyone out there is listening and wanting to pray, they can pray that it goes smoothly. We don't have any, you know, run into any issues, unforeseen obstacles as we're drilling down. Um, 
Yeah, and that we can get the water yield. That's a big one, too. Um, we can get how much water we need out of the borehole. So okay. we're going pretty deep so we can get as much as we need for the whole community. Um, but, I mean, it's a lot of water we're pumping every day. Um, or we're hoping to pump them um, in order to meet the needs. So, yeah, people can just pray that we are able to supply enough water for the whole community. That would be yeah, that's kind of one of our big um, prayers at this point. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And how's the uh, Land Rover? <laughs> how's how's your vehicle? That was always a big <laughs> one last year. <laughs> yeah, old, yeah, old Katari, as I named it so fondly last year. Um, yeah, Atari's great. Uh, we, <laughs> we just left it with our mechanic just to write it the previous time too. So they held on to it for me and tinkered with a bunch of things while I was gone. And, uh, you know, it's, it's running really well. Good. Um, so you have reliable transportation. Yeah, there was no, <laughs> yeah, it feels great. We just took a bit of a drive, an hour drive today and it was, it was fantastic. We even just got air conditioning in it because it was broken and wow. so that's just lovely when it's so humid and hot all wow. the time here that's, enough, <laughs> so that's like next that level stuff for that part of the world <laughs> yeah man i mean my kids were in the back complaining that it was cold i think you can't use the word cold in uganda you can never say it's too cold <laughs> it's just always hot <laughs> oh that's oh, brilliant man, it was great though but yeah it's 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 it, it's going great it's driving well no issues so we're ready to hit some trails and be able to drive without any worries. At this point. It's the little things in life, isn't it? That's brilliant. <laughs> oh man. <Yep>. Oh. <laughs> and so, you know, as you guys go into this, you know, you're in the second round of this now as a family and you look back, I'm sure, and think about, okay, what was the first round like, you know, what would you tell your uh, last year self before you went to do differently or reconsider, was there anything that you coming through this that really stood out? You're like, man, I wish I would have done this uh, differently now that I know the whole hindsight is 2020 thing. Cause I think somebody could, people listening to this yeah, could right, learn from right. your experience here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Gosh, yeah. That's a, that's a hard question to answer, man. I'm such a, <laughs> you know, wow, God, thanks for, thanks for how you provide us. Right. Thank you for how you, you know, so for me, it's hard to look back and say, yeah, Man, maybe I shouldn't have done that because maybe God, you know, maybe God intended it. I mean, I would say it was hard. Uh, and this doesn't mean we should have done it any differently, but I would right. say it was hard living with other people in their house at the same time as them, uh, shared space. We were there probably I think, six weeks. Um, you know, with our kids. And so that's just, you know, that's just a little stressful. Um, and so, you know, having our own space right now, right now we're renting our own house, right. totally our own. And it just feels really great. Even when we moved out of those people's house, we moved into another friend's house, which was such a huge blessing. They went back to the state and they said, you can stay in our house. We're done. That was super great too, but it was still in my house, you know? Right. Um, you know, we couldn't really settle in because um, put our stuff there. You know, it's just so not necessarily that I would change it in that season. I think that's where we needed to be because I don't think we should have rented a house right. um, just for that short period of time. Um, but it was hard, so yeah. yeah, you know, definitely settling in would be good. I would, uh, yeah, I would say if anyone 
ever think about getting a Land Rover, do not buy one unless you love working on cars. <laughs> so that would be a warning. <laughs> oh, that's fair. That <laughs> is know, fair. For me, I'm fine with it you know, because I do work on cars and I've worked on them a lot. And I'm used to tinkering with things and working on things all the time. And that you have to if you're yeah. on a Land Rover. So if anyone thinks, well, you've got a Land Rover, maybe I'll get one. Hey, don't do that <laughs> don't unless do that. you really want to spend a lot of time. <laughs> oh, I hear and you. Unless you're ready to break down on the road uh, and be prepared to fix it on the go. Yeah. You know, unless you're, you're, you think, okay, I'm equipped to do that sort of on-the-go mechanic. And yeah, go for it. It's fun. It's great. Uh, otherwise, get a Land Cruiser. <laughs> That's what <laughs> everyone drives. Land Cruiser. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, absolutely. That's what everyone drives. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, you have Land but I mean, I wouldn't trade my land but that's only because I've already poured so much blood and sweat into it. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's so, a, that's a fair yeah. bit of advice. You know, people wouldn't know going into a foreign environment, you know, what vehicle do you drive? What matters, you know, cause you get yourself yeah. stranded, you get your family drive stranded. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you if, can if see why those. Sanity, drive a land so if you want sanity, drive a Land Cruiser. That would be a great commercial, actually. <laughs> so for the Land Cruiser. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, man. Well, that's really good advice. And it's uh, it's great to hear the update on how you guys are doing, how the project's coming along. I think this your story is really inspiring. Yeah. And I really appreciate how adaptive you guys have been and inventive with your concepts. And really the heart to serve people and do a legitimate business, but also do it in a way that really serves the community and meets real needs on the ground, meets felt needs. Uh, it's been great to observe that and really appreciate you sharing your story as you go along. Awesome. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks for saying that. Yeah, it's been, it's been great to share. We're really excited to be able to share the journey. It's chaotic and random as some of the things seem <laughs> along the way. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Well, all right. Well, we'll we'll talk in the next episode and get the big updates on how the drilling goes. Okay. Sounds great. Good to talk. Thank you for listening to the Metron Manager Podcast, presented by Jonathan Nowlin and the Metron Manager Project. Remember, God has given you permission and a commission to work. Learn more at metronmanager.com.